This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I uh, missed you guys last week. We had a great time down in Trenton. I heard you guys had a great time with Pastor Ray last Sunday. And uh, excited about what she shared. I've actually... Uh, really excited about the four key points that she talked about, which was engaging change. In other words, letting it grow in you. Embracing change. In other words, allowing change to become a friend instead of a foe. She went on to say encounter change. In other words, through Jesus Christ, whenever we meet Jesus and we encounter Jesus, change happens. How many know that when you meet Jesus, something happens? Right. But the last thing that she shared was to be empowered for change through the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks is what it means to live an empowered life. How many are sick and tired of living far below what God had called you to be? Okay, that's good, all five of you. So, when we started reading uh, this Bible reading plan, the beginning of January, one of the things that we kept landing on is that we believe this is going to be a year of change and transformation. So we believe that there's two main elements for any change and transformation, not only to happen, but to be sustained over the long haul. Number one is we need the Word of God. But we don't need to just read the Word of God like it's some sort of checky box list. We get through that checky box list, everything's okay because we impress somebody. How many know it's not about impressing somebody? We're reading the Word of God and we're doing it in small chunks because we believe that the Word of God can change and transform your heart. Do you believe that this morning? But the second thing is this, without the word, with, with the Word of God but without the Holy Spirit, that's not necessarily good. We're lacking something. But I've heard many years ago, too much of the Word and you dry up, too much of the Holy Spirit, you blow up, but perfect balance of both and you grow up. And that's what we want, right? I've seen some people that are so full of the Holy Spirit, they're literally just, you watch them and they're just blowing up. They're going off Cape Canaveral every single Sunday. And it's like, woo, wow, okay, you need some Word, you need some grounding, right? Some grounding, that's good, okay. Um, but I'll tell you, when we started reading in Luke chapter 1, first week of January, I actually did something I rarely ever do. I actually started reading in the Amplified Bible. I usually have my New King James or the NLT, but I started reading in the Amplified Bible and something jumped out at me. Luke chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, and it says this, You will have great joy and delight, and many will rejoice over his birth. This is the word of the Lord over Elizabeth, who's going to give birth to John the Baptist. For he will be great and distinguished in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or liquor, and he will be filled with and empowered to act by the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel back from sin to love and serve the Lord their God. He will be empowered to act. Empowered to act. Keep that in your mind. It goes on in verse 41 and it says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. You see in a pattern. Luke 167, now for Zechariah. Their father, now Zacharias' father was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him, and he prophesied. Empowered to act, empowered in him, and empowered to declare. How many want that? All right, all five of you. How many are here this morning? How many are awake? How many are good to go? Do we need to stand up, do the hokey pokey? You know, do what we need. We're good? Okay, good. Empowered literally means to give power and authority to someone, to equip or supply with the ability to accomplish a task. The empowered life is the life 
that Jesus paid for and God designed for you to have. How many are frustrated when you never seem to get a breakthrough? How many are frustrated when you're at the same crossroads in your life three years after the fact? How many are frustrated when you don't see answered prayer? How many are frustrated when you genuinely have a belief in God and a love for God, but other people around you help to just snuff that out? Are we talking to humans this morning? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not the only one. Okay, I've had my own struggles. I've had some Christians that I've been very tempted to say to them directly to their face, get behind me, Satan. And sometimes I have. But anyhow, um, God loves me. There's, there's lots of forgiveness there. But God's heart and his desire for you is to live an empowered life. Corey Ten Boom, who many of you will know, was a Dutch Christian that helped save many Jews during World War II. She literally said this, Trying to do the Lord's work in our own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of our work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. I love that. How many this morning want to live an empowered life? Every hand should be up. If it's not, it's only because you haven't showered in three days, and I forgive you for that. I'll let that go just this once, okay? But next time, shower on Saturday night. Okay, there we go. All right. Jesus had three specific encounters with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see a pattern in Scripture that is meant to be just as much for us as it was for Jesus, for his disciples, and for any other follower of Christ that came down the road after them. The first thing is this. Jesus was born of and conceived by the Holy Spirit. How many know that if a dream is not conceived by the Holy Spirit in your life, it's always going to be frustrating? But if you can wait long enough on God and allow him to literally conceive the very dream and purpose and destiny in your life, you're going to see great things. Amen? All three of you agreed with that. So, Matthew 1, verse 20 says this. As he considered this, this is Joseph, Jesus' father. As Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived, birthed by, another version says, the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful this morning that that... True birthing only happens by the Spirit of God. I'm going to explain what that is in a couple minutes. But the second thing was this. Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. Not only was Jesus born into the Spirit, Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. Luke 3, for those that were reading, week 1 of January, verse 21 to 22, it says this, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. He was baptized in the Spirit. How many know that everything that Jesus did... I'm going to mess up your theology for a second. Are you ready? Everything that Jesus did while he was on earth was a specific choice, an intentional choice, not to do something as the divine Son of God, but to do something anointed as the Son of Man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he was given an example for us that everything that he could do, we could do as well. How many know that if he's just everything as, div- as divinity, that we'd look at that and go, that's impossible, so we can just live our life and try to do the best we can and make some behavioral adjustments as we go and try to get along better with people and, and try to cheer for you know, different things that are appropriate or whatever. But at the end of the day, we'd be frustrated thinking there's no power in us to do anything. The reality is this. God the Father sent the Son. The Son says, I'm leaving now and I'm going to leave you the gift of the Father. The gift of the Father, the Spirit of God. 
the Holy Spirit. Don't reject the gift of the Father. Because I tell you, that's the most important thing that we have. But he made a choice to be baptized in the Spirit. The third thing was this. Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. Luke 4.1, right after his baptism. This is week two in your Bible reading plan. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, which we actually talked about this in our Connect group last week. The Jordan was a place of, of, of crossing over. It was a place of destiny. How many know that on the other side of the Jordan was the promised land, the promises of God? So it's interesting here that Jesus literally says, it, it says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left for the place of promise. For the Jordan. And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Whenever you are full of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God always leads you to the place of promise. But how many know on the way to the place of promise comes temptation? Which is exactly what happened next. But at the end of the temptation, Luke 4, verses 14, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. It's cool. I mean, he could have just said, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. But then he wanted to go one step further and say, and news of this person spread all through the countryside. Why? Because something incredible was happening. So Jesus declares, on the very first opportunity he has, he stands up in the synagogue, and they gave him the reading that day, and they said, I want you to read. Uh, He says, okay, I'm going to go read. And he's going to find a particular chapter and a particular passage in the Bible. He turns to Isaiah, and he starts reading. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. How many know that good news always is helpful for people who are poor? Okay, all right. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When you're empowered by the Spirit, not only are you led to the place of purpose and destiny, but you are tempted in the wilderness because it's the very place of refinement for your life so that you can truly come out into the empowering work of the Spirit of God. As soon as you come out from the empowering work of the Spirit of God, everyone's going to hear about you. There's people on our Queen's campus right now that are hearing about certain Christian women that are on that campus leading people to Christ. That's awesome. There's people coming to Christ on Queen's campus right now because of a whole row of girls sitting right over here. And you have to understand that there's, there's something that's at work in them, and it's not just because they're smart, although they are. And it's not just because they're beautiful, although they are. It's because they have the Spirit of God living inside of them, and they are fearless for the things of God. So I want to encourage you, be fearless for God. Face the wilderness, face the temptations head on, and you know what, as you get through that, you're going to be empowered by the Spirit of God to live the abundant life that God's called us to in John 10.10. 10. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. So, the disciples, very interestingly enough, had three encounters with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for this one? Well, the first one is they were born of the Spirit. You're going to see a pattern developing. John 3, 3, it says this, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It goes on in verse 5, and it says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So he's explaining to them... The the salvation experience where you get born of the Spirit at the point of salvation. But how many know because Jesus hadn't died yet and hasn't rose again again, that salvation in Christ hadn't happened yet? 
So something had to happen where their faith was not looking forward, but actually looking back at the cross. And so John chapter 20, very interesting verse, passage of scripture says this, on the evening of that first day, so Jesus had died, Jesus rose again. Jesus revealed himself to over 500 people, walked through a wall to come into having breakfast with his, I don't know about you, but I would love to see Jesus walk through the doors at Denny's, except not through the doors, but through the wall and partake of a Grand Slam breakfast with me. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you right now, that would be the coolest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I'm sure, you know, he's going to come up and he says, no, I think your eggs are going to be over easy because that's what your life's going to be like for the rest of that. It's going to be easy from now on. Just easy, not scrambled. Not scrambled. Okay, all right. All right, moving along. He goes on and he says this as he, as he comes to his disciples. He says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. So it wasn't exactly a wonderful time. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. First thing he did is he addressed the fear. The first thing that Jesus does to draw you to himself, to come to Christ and make a decision to follow you, is he, or follow him, is he always comes to you and he addresses the biggest concern you have in your life. This is what oftentimes wins them over. I've heard people say, well, you know, it's holiness that brings people to God. Well, holiness is good after we come to God, but you know what? The Bible actually says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent, to be transformed, and to change. It's the goodness of God. So why is he going to be good to you? Well, he's going to be good to you in the area that you're struggling with the most. So if you're struggling with fear, God's going to address the issue of fear. If you're struggling with discouragement, he's going to address the issue of discouragement. If he's struggling with the area of hopelessness, he's going to give you peace and hope again to believe for the future that you've never thought possible, but he's going to plant it in your heart because he believes in you this morning. He says, peace be with you. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands inside and said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. This is what he's basically doing. Showing off his hands and his feet. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. And then again, Jesus said to you, peace be with you, just in case they missed it the first time. I know about your fears, Peter, James, John. I know about your fears. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And here's probably one of the coolest moments in the Gospels. Jesus looked at them. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Salvation. Boom. Right there. That was the moment of salvation for the disciples. They came into a relationship with Jesus Christ post-resurrection. Just like us. Salvation. It's cool because when we come to Christ and we're born of the Spirit, God plants within us a spiritual DNA. So some people say, well, yeah, it's awesome, but sometimes when I'm struggling, Jesus never leaves me alone. Because you've got a homing beacon in your heart that only responds to the bat call of Jesus. It's it. So he is always chasing you everywhere you go. It's awesome because he loves you. So I'm telling you, I, I, I could write a book on how to run from the call of God. I have done it. Thank the Lord I stopped when I was 22. But I ran because I was scared out of my mind of what God would ask me to do. I remember praying, Lord Jesus, please don't ask me to go to Africa. 
please don't call me to the mission field. So what he did is he said, grace to you, my son. I'm going to give you a missionary from Africa. It's okay. You got the thinking in your head wrong. I didn't say go to Africa to be a missionary. I'm going to bring her to you. God, you're awesome. He addressed my fears. <laughs> he addressed my fears at the point of being born in the Spirit. It's awesome. And I tell you, there's nothing like being married to a wonderful African missionary. It's awesome. I've always believed that there's something inside of me that one day may end up over there. Maybe. But God has, God has used my wife for 15 years to work on me. So I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Haiti was a first step. It was good. It's good. But when you become born of the Spirit, you're now the temple of God. You're now part of the family of God. But he didn't stop there because the disciples were also baptized in the Spirit. Luke 3.16 John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon after who is greater than I am, so much greater than I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's prophesying of the day that Jesus literally would promise them a blessing from the Father that would be, go way beyond what they've ever experienced or seen. Because at that moment, they're only just seeing John the Baptist baptizing people in water. It was the baptism of repentance. But he's talking about a baptism into power, the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. This is just after the moments from John 20. Jesus is about to, ready to go back to the Father. That would have been cool to see. Um, one of his last conversations with his disciples, and it started like this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I, want, I, want, I just want to clarify a couple things very quickly here. John 20 was when they were born in the Spirit. Acts chapter 1 is a completely different experience. It's totally separate. Totally distinct. Subsequent to the point of salvation. So oftentimes people come to you and say, well, you know, I received Jesus that I was born in the Spirit, I was baptized in the Spirit, I was filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. I said, yeah, it's, yeah, yes, the Holy Spirit came and lived in residence in your life, and that's awesome, but there's another experience that God talks about. It's almost like taking, I don't want to sorry, use it, have you ever seen like a tiny little shot glass, these little tiny little glasses? Fill that with water. That's like you when you come to Christ. So the Spirit of God fills you up. But then he looks at Lake Ontario, and as you're going across on the Wolf Islander, of course, it'd be a little, well, actually, the water's still there now. It hasn't been frozen over yet. And you look down, and he says, now I'm going to teach you what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right to the bottom. That's baptized in the Holy Spirit, immersed. All over you, all around you, all in you, empowering you to do what you could not do on your own. That's the difference. We good? Some people say, well, yeah, I, have the, I, I get that, but I have a problem with the tongues issue. I said, yeah, it's like a shoe. When you buy a shoe, tongues come with it. It's all good. All right, let's just keep going. All right, it's all good. You know, 
It's, it's all good. It's all good. All right. Moving right along. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled, one version says, empowered by the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enables them. Oh, I tell you right now, one of the most incredible experiences of my personal life was the moment that I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had grown up in church. I knew how to play the game. I knew how to say the right thing at the right time to impress the right people. How many have ever done that? Come on. Right? How many, do, how many know that you, there's a way that you can act in church in order to get approval from man? And then there's a way to act in church in order to get approval from God. Totally different. Sometimes it looks the same, feels the same, sounds the same, but sometimes it's completely different. Why? Because God's after your heart. But I remember there was one moment in my life where I literally said, God, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling through life, this life called Christianity. I'm struggling, and I just can never seem to get anywhere. And I remember for about six months, it was just this, this thought just kept dropping in my heart over and over and over again. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm sitting there going, well, I have the Holy Spirit. I'm fine. I have the Holy Spirit. And then I, the other voice in my hand is going, well, you really, are you fine? Because you don't look fine. You don't look fine. And I realized that there was a subsequent experience, a distinctly different experience that God wanted me to experience, and it was the experience described in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. It was described over and over again in the book of Acts, five times actually, where it talks about the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite examples of this is Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. And it says this, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What a question. And they answered, No, we have not even heard of a Holy Spirit. Who is he? So Paul asked them, What baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. So what did Paul do? He was a little unsure of if they actually made the right decision. And they want to say, let's just double dip you just to be on the safe side, all right? Just in case you didn't understand what John's baptism was all about, we're going to dip you. Boom. Okay, we're good. Air of the water. Then he placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. We were on a little water baptism, a little Holy Ghost baptism, and it was awesome. They were empowered by the Spirit of God. They were born in the Spirit. They were baptized in the Spirit. They were empowered by the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So just before Jesus leaves, this is the last thing he says. But you shall receive power. The Greek word is dunamis. Our English word dynamite. But you will receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So what was the result? Acts chapter 4, verse 31 is the proof of the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I don't know about you, but when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I experienced almost a personality change and a boldness that came upon my life that I had never known in my life that I could ever have. I was the kid in high school that was passing out in the bathroom because I did not want to do the class presentations, even if they were only five minutes. I was the kid, like, throwing up, stuttering, red-faced stuttering, couldn't get words out, praying desperately, Lord, if, that, if the rapture truly was an event in the Bible, 
that it would happen right now. Jesus. I was praying and believing God. I'm telling you right now, I had my rapture shoes on, but I didn't go anywhere. I was praying that God would just supernaturally take me from that school, but he didn't. And he says, son, I'm going to take you into the wilderness. I said, no, Jesus. It's just because when you're coming out on the other side, you're going to be empowered to do things you could not do on your own. I'm like, that sounds really nice. And he said, shut up. No, he didn't say shut up. It's okay. Jesus would never say that. But he basically just said, listen, I, you have two choices. You can keep going the way you're going, or you can come with me. What would you like? Would you like me in your boat, or would you like to get in mine? I went, I'll take your boat. The cool thing is with Jesus, when you get in his boat, he, then he teaches you how to walk on water, so you actually don't stay in his boat very long. So it's very cool what he can do through a person that is submitted to the empowering of the Holy Spirit and he wants to touch you this morning, I guarantee it. But what does he want for the rest of your life? When you've been born in the Spirit, when you've been baptized in the Spirit, when you've been empowered by the Spirit, what does he want for the rest of your life? What does he, what does he want? When Jesus was born, he was born in Bethlehem. Right? Where he revealed his name, Emmanuel, which meant God with us. He died at a place called Calvary. It was a place of victory. If I can say it like this, it was God for us. But Pentecost was a place that God was in us. And there's far too many people, far too many believers, and far too many Christians that are still sitting at Bethlehem and still sitting at Calvary. And God is saying, come to Pentecost. You will experience a life that you could not imagine, even if you tried. Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 19, some preachers use this to talk about alcohol. Some people use this to talk about something else. But I'll tell you the real meaning of this scripture, which is so awesome. I'm going to read it to you. So don't, don't miss, don't kind of stop tracking with me for a second. Ephesians 5, 18 to 19, in the NLT, it says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. I'm going to use the voice uh, version because I think this is even cooler. It says, don't drink wine excessively. The drunken path is a reckless path. It leads nowhere. Instead, let God fill you with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit, you are empowered to speak to each other in the soulful words of pious songs, hymns, and spiritual songs to sing and make music with your hearts and a turn to God. Here's what it means. What influence are you under? What are you under? Well, it's using the issue of alcohol, but really it could say anything. It could say you're under the influence of your friends. It could say you're under the influence of uh, a particular mindset that the world espouses that you don't, but, but you're under the spell of it. God's saying, what are you under? He wants you to be under the empowerment and the life flow, the blood flow of the Holy Spirit every single day of your life so that you can empower not only yourself but others around you to do what God's called them to do. Do you believe that this morning? The coolest thing is, is it was never meant to be a one-time experience. It was meant to be ongoing every single day of your life to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine every single morning if you get up and you say, Holy Spirit, use me. Empower me to do what you want me to do today. I don't want to be on my own. I want to don't, don't want to figure it out. I don't want to try to do all these things on my own. Lord, you empower me to do what I cannot do on my own. Do you believe that this morning? At Bethlehem, we experience the person of Jesus Christ. At Calvary, we experience the pardon of Jesus Christ. 
But at Pentecost, we experience the power of Jesus Christ that he left for us. And I'm telling you right now, there's something so powerful about the power of Christ. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. This is the amplified version. We're going to end with this this morning. It says, while being together and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized and empowered and united with the Holy Spirit not long from now. Let's stand together this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 